during first service, I did give them a little bit of a precursor, like to help them. I love being prayed for. Really, it's wonderful. People pray for me all the time. God, anoint the pastor and help the pastor. It does make me feel a little pathetic as a person. However, I'm thankful for those kind of prayers. However, when it comes to hearing the word of God, it is not praying for the pastor. The word of God is already anointed because it's God's word. What the scripture says is to pray for the hearers of the word that their hearts would be anointed to receive it. And I think that that's important. So I'm going to take a moment before I even preach because what I'm talking about today regarding in the beginning, God's original plan and mission for us and for his church, what I'm about to talk about today, it's not possible unless the Holy Spirit of Jesus touches us inside. I can't make you do it. I can't make you do it. Like we say in English, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I can preach to you about the mission of God, but I cannot make you do it. I can only lead by example. I can only tell you about it. But the Spirit of God, when he ignites it within you, look out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. As we just take a moment before we hear yet a word, Lord, let it not be another sermon, let it not be another Sunday. Lord, as we've already experienced in worship, that we should never treat it as mundane, your presence is here. And so, Lord, in that same presence, as we continue on with your word this morning, anoint our hearts to receive all that you have for us, and let us not only hear it, but let us live it out. Let us breathe it, preach it, pray it, and tell it. We thank you for the power of your word in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Well, this morning, I am going to be preaching to you about mission. In the last few weeks with In the Beginning, as I've talked about God's original plan, we've discussed things like identity that we were created in the image of God and how powerful that is, especially in a society that is trying to confuse identity like no one's business. The second thing that I talked about is intimacy, that God has called us into a deep relationship with him. If we want to help the world, if we genuinely want to love others, we first must be recipients of the love of God that he desires to give us. Last week, I preached a message that I absolutely love on authority, that you no longer have to be the victim of sin, shame, guilt, and the attacks of the enemy, but through the power of Jesus, you are more than victorious. But those things had to do with you, your identity and who you are in Christ. But today, I want to talk to you about his mission, his heart for the world, See, we can pray our prayers. We can pray all about ourselves. We can tell others about us and all that God has done in my life. But there needs to come a point in time in our development as Christians when it becomes about his desires, his heart. The things that break his heart need to break ours. The things that move him need to move us. And so this morning, let's get ready to get on the mission that God has for us. This mission could originally be found in the beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 through 28. It says, so God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, and these are the words of mission, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every creature that crawls upon the earth. Oftentimes, as believers, we want things that are referred to as growth. We're told about church growth. And yes, I believe in internal growth. I believe that every Christian should tap into a relationship with the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you have yourself invested in a relationship with the Trinity, guess what happens? You grow. When you read the Word of God, you grow. When you pray, you grow. When you give, you grow. When you fast and pray, you grow. Everything you invest into your spiritual life is like watering seeds in a garden. You cannot help but grow when you are connected to God. But I know that there's something more important here, something that goes beyond the creation commission and leans into the great commission and has everything to do with the plans and purposes of God in your life. Yes, it is God's plan that you internally grow, but it is God's plan that his church grows. That his church grows with people being saved and healed and delivered. See, God has a mission and a plan for New England. God has always had a plan for humanity. That we would all receive his power and glory. And that the earth would be filled with the glory of the Lord like the waters cover the seas. And even though we may have thwarted God's plan a little bit, through Jesus, God has not given up on his original plan to help us grow and be on a mission for him. I believe that when we understand God's original desire in what I call the creation commission that we just read, we unlock God's original plan for our destiny. This destiny is ultimately finding our place in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Well, what is the Great Commission? We can say those words very easily. That God wanted Adam and Eve to fill the earth, to multiply, to subdue it. But Jesus also spoke to his followers. See, Jesus has a vision Jesus has a plan to bring about God's new humanity through everyone who is born again. No longer born of Adam and Eve, but born of the Spirit because we know Jesus. So in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we pick up on this great commission. It says, later, meaning he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven who were his disciples. It says eleven because Judas, the betrayer, got checked out by hanging himself. As they were reclining at a table, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who saw him after he was risen. Verse 15, and then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. 
they will pick up snakes. If they should drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. I love the Great Commission as it's portrayed through all of the Gospels. However, Mark, our buddy here, is a good evangelist. He understands the mandate and mission of God. He understands that God is not a God who's in the distance. He understands that in Jesus, God is not absent. He understands that the God of the Bible is here. He is here right now. He is here with the power of his kingdom. And he's here to raise the dead. He's here to heal the sick. He's here to deliver those that are oppressed of the devil. He is here to forgive sin. He is moving. He is moving. He is a God on the move. And all we have to do is say, yes, yes, yes. I'll go where you want me to go, Lord. I'll say what you want me to say. I will be whatever you want me to be. That's the prayer that I grew up with. That is the song that I grew up singing as a little boy in church. I remember the woman at the piano singing that hymn every week. I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. It's kind of like a bar tune. Over mountain or plain or stream, I'll say what you want me to say. Thank you. I'll be what you want me to be. What is our yes? What is our yes? Jesus gave Adam and Eve a mandate. He continued with that mandate with people like Noah and Abraham and even the children of Israel as he was bringing them out of slavery. He wanted them to realize they were on a mission. He wasn't just giving them a land full of milk and honey to get fat on the milk and honey. He gave them a land of blessing so that they would be a blessing to all nations. And Jesus had to come. Jesus had to come and show us all the way that God is not finished with humanity, that Jesus is God's yes, that Jesus desires to keep moving. Oh, but pastor, you don't know. Oh, gosh, if I hear that one more time. You don't know. You don't know. You don't know New England. You don't know what we go through here. You don't know how much the weather affects us. Like, honestly, if I hear one more person complain about the weather, I'm going to your house with you, I'm booking you a ticket, and you're moving to Hawaii. (laughs) Like, no one is stopping you. You don't have to live in Connecticut. Oh, the taxes. Good, go, go. If you want to live in the middle of rural Montana to pay less taxes, have fun. I love paying taxes in Connecticut. I love the school. I love the roads. I love the health insurance. It's great. But God has placed us here. God has placed us here. God has placed you here. No matter what nation, no matter what state, no matter what background you come from, God has placed you in New England, and he's placed you here for such a time as this. He has placed you here on a mandate. He has placed you here because his heart's desire is burning that New England would know him. His heart's desire is that his house would be full. Oh, God, give us passion for you again. One of the first things that he said to Adam and Eve in his mandate was to multiply. If you are a believer, 
and you are not multiplying, something wrong. Something's wrong. And I wish that I could say it differently. I wish that I could coddle you and say, no, every, everything's just great. No, if you are not multiplying in the right way as a believer, you, something's going wrong here. In verse 8, be fruitful and multiply. The very words echoed by Jesus, I am sending you out that you would bear fruit, that you would be fruitful. What are we bringing to heaven? We're not bringing buildings to heaven. We're not bringing ministries and programs. The only thing that I get to bring to heaven with me are all the people that I lead to Jesus. That is all. When it says be fruitful, that is all that I get to bring with me. See, a healthy believer, and a healthy church for that matter, have fruitfulness and multiplication in their spiritual DNA structure. When you are alive in Christ, when the church that you go to is alive in Christ, guess what happens? It multiplies. Pastor Rina and I, we come from two different churches. Hers in Holland being the first Pentecostal church ever started in Europe after Azusa Street. The church that I grew up in, it was a Rhode Island Italian who got saved. He didn't know whether you should plant churches or not. He just did it at 23 years old. And from there, he planted 10 other churches. Pastor Rina and I do not know anything more than life in the spirit, the gifts in the spirit, generous giving, and the power of Christian living. And I will not settle for anything less. I will not settle for a dead church with dead believers that are going nowhere fast. No, I am lining up with what Jesus desires. I am lining up with his plan and his purposes. Oh God, may I multiply. May I multiply no matter what my age, no matter what my background, whether you're 99 or nine years old, God desires to multiply his kingdom through your life. And our prayer is just, Lord, use me. Send me, speak through me. The American church has deceived itself. They've deceived itself into thinking that consumerism and stage performance is enough. If you grew up in the 80s, then you remember the movie The Gremlins. Do you remember The Gremlins? I had gizmo. I love gizmo. And when I speak about churches multiplying and believers multiplying, I want to see the multiplication of gizmos, meaning healthy Christians. I've seen Christians on this wild train of, oh, it's all about me kingdom. I've seen them on the consumer track. I've seen them on the pop culture. I'm a Christian idol track. That is not Christianity. That is a show of smoke and mirrors. And when you break down the lights and you shut off the smoke, guess what you have? Nothing. Nothing. You have no growth. You have no multiplication. You might fill your building, but you're filling your building with people who never change. See, God's desire is not to create a bunch of gremlins. God wants cute, fuzzy furry gizmos, <laughs> full of the fruit of the Spirit, full of the gifts of the Spirit. Oftentimes as believers, we're just kind of walking around acting hopeless and purposeless. 
we get all fat on the wrong things. We multiply in the wrong ways. We, we multiply other believers because we like to complain. They complain. We gossip. They gossip. We live worldly lifestyles. They live worldly lifestyles. We don't give. They don't give. And that is what we are producing. I do not want gremlins in this church. I want pure, genuine believers that are not walking around all purposeless. Oh, I don't know what my calling is. I don't know what God wants from me. I don't know, I don't know, and everything going on in my life, and the devil and everything. Stop being a gremlin. Stop it. Jesus said, I am not leaving you behind as orphans. Wait in Jerusalem, and I will send my Holy Spirit. See, God didn't want the people of Israel acting like slaves anymore. Jesus did not want his disciples acting like orphans. And for my fellow New Englanders, I don't want you acting like the frozen chosen. I want you to be alive and well. I want you to be fired up. I want you to believe like never before that God's best is yet to come for New England. You and your families and your neighborhoods and the people around you, they are so worth all that you desire to give them. May you multiply like gizmo. The second thing that he said to them in verse 8 was fill. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. I love this portion of scripture. I think many of us can recount moments in our lives where we were kind of in this dynamic group where the Holy Spirit was moving in our lives and we had all the new believer little jitters and the shakes. It felt so good. We loved every believer. Then we got to know you. The original huddle of the Holy Spirit is good, but staying within our holy huddles for far too long impedes us from carrying out the Great Commission. See, we were not meant to settle in, settle down, or settle for anyone or anything until the kingdom of God is established on earth as it is in heaven. The prayer of Jesus, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may it be in Bristol as it is in heaven. May it be in Connecticut as it is in heaven. Let it be in New England as it is in heaven. All I know is in heaven, there is power, there is glory, there is provision, there is abundance, there is life. Let let it be in earth as it is in heaven. Fill the earth. Fill this church. Jesus said it at one point when he was talking about a big banquet that was given and no one would come. Jesus said, go to the highways and the byways, invite everyone. And he said that my house be filled. Do you know that it's the desire of Jesus that this house, let's not make it far away, this house, that Bethel, New England be filled do you know that it's God's desire that you're going to be late for church because you're bringing your neighbors? Do you know that it's God's purpose that you're going to be late because you're going to be picking up family members because God wants to change them? God wants to heal them. Thank God for my aunt that didn't let me just sit home as a 12-year-old boy. She dragged my butt to church every week. She paid me. She said, my elbow is broken. You need to take notes for me. I'm going to pay you to take 
take notes. She paid me every week to take notes. In the beginning, all I did was laugh at everyone. I thought they were the craziest, kookiest people you had ever seen on the planet. I was steeped in my own atheism, agnosticism, and unbelief. I was steeped in all kinds of sin. I was depressed. I was suicidal. But my aunt dragged me to church. She said, boy, you are coming. Saturday nights, come to the prayer meeting. Sunday morning, you're coming to the Bible study on Thursday. I don't know how much that woman paid me, but she paid me a lot to come with her. (laughs) But it was because of that Pentecostal power, because she believed in healing, deliverance, and salvation, the Lord forgave me of my sin. I remember being in that service, and it felt like waves crashing over me, grace upon grace, as Jesus freed me from my sin. I remember the moment when he healed my body. I grew up going to a half-gospel church. We could get saved, but that was it. No gifts of the Spirit, no infilling, it stopped. What kind of help were they to me? I didn't need a half-baked form of Christianity. I needed the real deal. The Pentecostals had the real deal. When they knew that I was sick, they laid hands on me. Right before I was about to go in for a major ear operation and I would be sick for months after the operation, they laid hands on me and I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit roll over me that when I awoke in the operating room, I was ready to go to church that night. That's how strong and empowered I felt because people believed for healing. Oh, but what about the depression and the suicide? Well, thank God that people believe that God still delivers. Because as a 14-year-old boy standing in the middle aisle of the church, as someone called me out, called me out. They wouldn't let me just sit there. I prayed weeks before, Lord, I'm sick of this life. Can you take me? The prophet said, I see you on your bunk bed sitting up at the top. It's a white bunk bed. It goes like this, and a bottom bed comes out of the bottom. You're sitting with your feet on the ladder, and this is what you prayed. No sooner did the words come out of his mouth, he said to his son, lay hands on him. The son didn't even get to me because the son got to me first. And I felt this demonic force that was on top of me, almost like strangling me around the neck and my body. It lifted off of me, and the power of Jesus filled me. The world needs you. The world needs you. I needed you. I needed you to be my aunt, to be my uncle, my mother, my father, my neighbor. I needed you, and they need you too. The power of the gospel is still relevant for the world in which we live that his house be filled with his glory. The last thing he said to them was subdue. In verse eight, subdue it. I am so sick of seeing how people allow New England to just be taken. When I was in the Netherlands, it was the same thing, the Dutch. Oh, God doesn't move there. God doesn't do things like that in that place That place is dry. It's a a minister's graveyard. That's what everyone says. In New England, people say the same thing. Oh, it's so hard here. It's so difficult here. It is as hard and as difficult as you make it out to be. See, the presence and the power of God, they've already swept through New England three times. Swept with great awakenings and revivals, and they've done it even in the 80s and in the 90s. We've seen moves of God happen. If he did it then, he can do it again. 
If he did it then, he can do it again. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stand in his way? New England cannot stand in the way of God. There is no philosophy. There is no spiritual climate. There is nothing that can stop the Lord Almighty. When his people stand up and when they say, Amen, 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 Lord, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. He does it again. Here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am should be our cry. We have come to a point where we've let other dominant movements subdue areas of New England. And our kingdom mindset has been relegated to Sunday morning worship. Keep singing your little songs, people. Honestly. I don't mean that in a bad way, but I am being a little fresh. It's time to reassess the spiritual hierarchies of New England and learn to be seated with Christ above them with power and authority as we pray and preach on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. I love the area that I live as I look out over the mountains and the valleys. There's beautiful Talcott Mountain with the Hobland Tower. And oftentimes when we look up, we see the mountain. And that's kind of how we've been as believers in New England. We constantly are just seeing the mountain. When we look up to that area, we see houses up there of the very rich, and that's where they live, seated up in the mountains. And our perspective is always up against the mountain. I want you from now on to picture your life a little differently, because I know sometimes the biblical story gets a little complicated for us. I want you, every time that you feel like you're down at the bottom of that mountain, every time you feel like it's not enough or we can't get there, or, oh, I don't know if God can do that, I want you to picture yourself on top of that tower. I want you to picture yourself looking down over the valleys and the mountains of this whole region and understand that God's got this. He's got it all under his control, and he has decided to partner with you. Change your perspective. You are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Well, pastor, with the vision luncheon today, we hope that God does those things. Where are we gonna get the money from? Where are we gonna get the people from? How is this ever gonna happen? Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. I don't need people that know two plus two is four. I get that. I understand that. I need people that understand the multiplication principles of the Bible, that two plus two is 4,000. Come on. God's economy is so different. God's economy is so different. God does math differently than we do. When they came to Jesus with two fish and some loaves, he fed more than 5,000 people probably 12,000, and guess what? The disciples who didn't believe, guess how many full baskets there were? 12. That Jesus was saying to them, oh, you of little faith, you didn't think a miracle could happen. Now you're going home with abundance. People, let's believe like never before. New England does not need half-baked, half-Pentecostal, half, I think on one foot in the church and one foot out. It doesn't need it. 
It needs people that are radically determined and on fire and that believe that God is going to do mighty things in and through their lives like never before. See, the mandate of the Great Commission, I cannot do it on my own. It is about you. It is about us. It is about doing it together and saying, Lord, work and move through me and use me today. Charles Finney, who saw major moves of God sweep through New England, said the following. He said, revival comes from heaven when heroic souls enter the conflict determined to win or die, if need be, and to win and die. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. My wife and I were in the car the other night with my mother, and we were talking, and my mom's kind of seen all of the progression and the things that have gone on in our life and ministry. She saw many moments that my wife and I could have been like, no, we're done. Like, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, and don't like it. I was resolved at one point after leaving Holland, I do not want to minister to people ever again. No, really, I don't. Don't feel like it, all my energy, all my time, I'm not doing this. But the Lord, by his spirit, every time I thought, I don't know if I can do this, his spirit showed up. And we said to my mother, one thing that Pastor Rina and I have always resolved to do, even before we know, knew one another, is that when God spoke, our answer was yes. When God spoke, our answer was yes, and we are still saying yes. We are still saying yes. At 23 years old, when I was launched out, I have been saying yes. It will be 20 plus years of saying yes. Yes to your will. Yes to your way. And church, I need fellow believers that also know how to say yes. I need fellow believers that stop saying, I can't, I can't. Oh no, oh no, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have the patience. Stop, stop, stop. But by my spirit, says the Lord. By my spirit, says the Lord. For those, as we pray this morning in closing, that you want to be on that mandate, that you have come to church this morning to say yes, wherever he calls you to go, whatever he asks you to do, whatever he wants you to say, I need your answer just between you and him to be yes. If your answer today is yes, and my prayer is the spirit helps you do this, just stand to your feet wherever you are that your answer is yes. My answer is yes. I'm resolving this morning that my answer is yes. I don't know how, I don't know when, but Lord, do it again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but Lord, do it again. I don't know how, I don't know when, but Lord, do it again. Fill me this morning. Fill me and touch my life, Lord, for your glory. As we lift our hands to him today, just as a sign to receive from him, like I said, this is only possible by the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do this in your own strength. The message I just preached, I can't do that in my own strength. I will burn out in 24 hours. Only the Spirit of God can help me do it. Holy Spirit, begin to flood your people this moment. Begin to have your will and your way in and through their lives. 
Lord, let them receive the freshness and the fullness of all that you have for them. Lord, I pray for a fresh outpouring. I pray that fear would subside in the light of faith. I pray that familiarity would subside in the place of freshness. I pray that failure would subside in the place of fortitude. Lord, let your spirit empower us to do this work today. We need your help. We need your presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Pastor Noah is going to lead us in worship. If you want to worship at your seat, if you want to respond just to the altar, the altar team will not be here. We want you to just have that moment with the Lord. We have a good amount of time, maybe a half an hour until we start the luncheon in the gymnasium. You are not hindered from making your way to the gymnasium, but just understand we officially start with prayer for the lunch at 1215. God bless you this morning. Do not forget to come and pray with us this Wednesday at 630. The only way that God can move is when we're gathered in unity as the body, believing to take new ground. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.